Welcome back, everyone, to After the Checkers with Kyle Hall. I am Kyle Hall, and that guy right there is a guy named Brad Dunow. Am I saying that right, Brad? You can say it Dunow or Dino, so. Okay, we're going to say Dunow because that's the way I already said it. Um, and so, um, and and here's how, there's here's why Brad is on the show, is I am always forever saying that this show is about the personalities in dirt track racing. Um, the drivers, mostly, obviously, the, the, the flag man, the promoters, the, we've had sanctioning body presidents and executive directors. Um, we've had other announcers like myself on the show, and we have never had a true sit in the stands and watch racing on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday night guy or girl on the show. And so uh, Brad called me out on that and said, hey, I'm a fan. You say you have fans on the show. I want to be on the show. And so that is how this gentleman right here got on the show. Um, and I'm, I'm excited. Like, it turns out he's 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 just a tick more than just a fan. Uh, and so we're going to uh, we'll get to know Brad here on the show. So first off, Brad, welcome to the After the Checkers show. I'm I'm excited to have you on here. You bet. We'll try and do the best we can here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so in, in chatting a little bit in preparation and doing some research on you and stuff like that, you've um well, I'm gonna let you tell the story. So how where where did the the fandom of racing come from? Where where does that start for you? Back in 1981, I'm not I'm not aging myself, but back in <laughs> 1981, I was a sophomore in high school, and a neighbor down the street said, "You got to come over Ar Arlington, starting up, starting up a track. They used to have a track, and then they closed it, and then they reopened it." And I said, "What's dirt track racing?" Yeah. Well, they have a, he had a cousin that raced over at Cedar Lake is how they all got involved. So then they thought, well, most of the relatives are from around this area. So then they told them to come over here. And I walked in the first night in the grandstands. I said, this is dirt track racing. Let's see what it does. And by the first track, by the first green flag, it was like, I'm in. This is pretty cool. Yeah. I think a lot of people have that same experience, Brad, where, you know, hopefully somebody invited them or they, you know, they maybe heard someone at work or at a, you know, whatever yeah. talking about it and, you know, uh, and they show up and, and once you get bit, man, you're, it's hard to not be bit. I mean, I mean, you can't. Yeah. I mean, it was like the noise, the smell. Like, yes, there is a smell. People say, no, there isn't. Oh, oh yes, sure there, is. there is. Yeah. There's a smell. So, and then he, so then we watched, then I watched racing that year. And then the following year, their parents, my, my buddy, Neil Matuska's parents and the guy who drove the car took a trip to Branson. So they were short pit guys. And Neil says, you want to come down and learn what it's like in the pits? I said, I just started learning about this. Yeah, I suppose. What the heck? So I went down in the pits, started scraping mud and hanging out with everybody. And it was like, now I'm really hooked. Yeah, yeah. That's where the fun stuff happens is in the pits. So then we went and did that. 
and for several years, or then the following year, his cousin had a car that was sitting in the grove and they brought it down and we were going to, Arlington at the time had a starter class called figure eight racing. Okay. Yep. And he's, and he said, you know, you want to help me? And I said, yeah. So we put the car together, put the boiler plates on, you know, the boiler plates when they do figure eight. Went there that first night and he said, what are we doing? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? I thought you liked racing. No, this figure eight crap is junk. Loaded it up, took it home, and then we all got together at the, at his parents' house. While we were having fun in the house, he went out, got the acetylene torch, cut the boiler plate off, and said, no more. We're going oval track racing. You just going, you don't like that driver's door exposed on that crossover. It is the figure eight. He goes, I thought it would be fun, but it's he says, I'm an oval tracker. So, so he, he literally didn't race, didn't like built a car, went to the racetrack and didn't race. No, we raced that night. Ah, okay. Okay. We raced that night and on the way home, he goes, no, we're doing, we're, we're taking the boilerplate off and we're going oval track race. I love it. So that was like a pure stock kind of car then after that? No, it was what they called. Arlington had what they call the hobby stock car. Sure. Yep. 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 And so him and his cousin raced hobby stock together for one year or whatever. And it just, we just switched off and on, did a bunch of different cars. And then we uh, went and, uh, then one year, Neil, his brother Chad, and two other guys all raced out of the same garage. We had four hobby stockers going, and one pit guy. Who was yeah, that? Yeah. Well, that's all right. I, we get around. I was, I was there. There's a picture floating somewhere where I'm running between the cars trying to do stuff, but it was fun. It was. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I could I could go on and on about the history of it. I mean, there's one year in particular, 1984, the first year that they did a uh, street stock at Arlington, he built the Chevy Nova, won 90% of the races. And then one night, one of the drivers bitched about the car. So then they had a, meet, a special meeting during the week, and we called it the Kangaroo Court. Because back then was when the nine-inch Ford end started in, mm -hmm. and they didn't specify. They said street stock, but they didn't specify where the seat had to be. And if you know my buddy Neil, he reads between the lines. Yeah, every racer does. Yeah. So he put it a little past the mid mid plate, and he was winning, winning, winning. Somebody bitched about it. We moved the seat up, and he went faster yet. We said, "Are you happy now?" Nice. So it's it nice was, when, it, when the uh, when the karma, you know, somebody kind of whines and complains because somebody's faster. Instead of making themselves better, they try yep. to make somebody else yep. worse. It's it's nice when there's a little karma comes around and bites them and a little. And then so. and then what was funny about that year? 
the uh, during this meeting, the announcer was there, and he goes, "If you don't like them, claim them." Somebody said, "What's a claim? You take so much money and you buy their motor." So the following week, we knew it was going to happen. The following week, but it was a borrowed motor from a guy out in Wisconsin, and we couldn't sell it. Ah. So he missed out on two weeks of racing and still won the champ track championship. Nice. That's great. Let's see. That's the kind of stuff I love when so, instead of making I mean, yourself better, you try to make other people worse. That's, uh, you know, that's uh, when it doesn't work I out. Mean, so. We just had several, it was just not constantly racing forever and ever. Yeah. So and, when, so you had talked about your, your, you had some boys that, that raced yep. go-karts. What, what time, when was that? That was, uh, let's see, he would have been, the oldest one would have been five years old. Oh, goodness. So, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83. So, that would have been 84. Okay. That so we you, took so at that point, you've been around racing for four or five years yourself. And, yeah. and now, yeah. kind of like, hey, let's get the boys doing this kind of a thing. And so how long did your how long did your son run? He ran for five years. Okay. Um the funny there was a funny story. We went and actually I'm wearing the guy's shirt, Clint Haddlestead. We went to go watch him over at Cedar Mills Speedway over by Hutchison, Minnesota. And on the way home, before we even got out to the highway, Brent says, Dad, you're going to buy me one of those, right? Yeah, go to bed, you know. Yeah. Go, go, go to bed. You do the dad thing. We'll see. I said, we'll see. Yeah. Got home. He went to bed. I told the wife, and she goes, you got yourself into something. I said, he'll forget about it. Woke up the next morning. He comes downstairs Sunday morning. Dad, are you on the internet yet looking for a go-kart? Oh, shoot. Yeah. So we built him a go-kart and normal rules were normal tracks are six years old, but at Arlington, they were starting up go-karts and they said, we're going to start them at five. So a buddy of mine, Brian Ausleben, was going to drive the cart for one year just to have fun with it. And then age six, we were going to go to Cedar Mills. Well, his wife put the kibosh to it and said, no, you're not. Mm. And he said, but Brad's paying for everything. All I got to do is drive it. Nope. So then we sat there with an empty cart and I looked at Brent and I says, you want to race? over? Yeah, we'll race over there. Well, three races in, he got pushed off the track Ran into wow. another, ran into somebody's four wheeler, ended up Goodness. in the ambulance because he couldn't breathe. And we ended up stopped racing there and we went over to Cedar Mills because at Cedar Mills they had to have cages on them. It was cage, cage cards. Oh, sure. Yep. 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 And so then we raced over there. He started in the, Sophomore, sophomore. He started in the uh, rookie class. Did okay. He won a couple races. I was, I was. It was like 
I don't know how to set up things, but yeah. obviously I was doing something right. And then the following year was because we started halfway through the year. So then the following year, I said, we're going to run rookies one more year. And the track, the, it was run by a board. And the board said, no, he's good enough to move up to sportsman. I said, no, he just started racing. They said, give him, give him a couple nights and we'll see what happens. Yeah, yep. And he went out there and between him and another kid, he won half the races and this other kid won half the races. And it was like, you, I can't believe what's going on here. And he was, he was racing like he's been racing for years. And it's like, he just had the guts. Like he told me now recently, he goes, dad, when I had the cage on, I was fearless. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yep. But see, and then after three years, we moved them into what they call junior one and there was no cage on it because I couldn't figure out why he wasn't driving it, you know, as aggressive. And he goes, because I was scared because I didn't have cage on it. Right. Yep. Makes it makes perfect sense. So, and so we even, I was going to transition. So from the, from running go-karts and then you, you kind of stopped doing that. Um, the other thing that I noticed about you is, is you sell toys like race, yep. race type toys. Um, yep. And so tell us, tell us how that got started with, cause you, you kind of shared with me and I'd like to share that with everyone listening is, is how that got started. And then show us that, like, tell us how you got started, but then I need you to flip your phone around again and yeah. show us, show us that toter home. But tell us first. How it got started was, Obviously, I've been into racing and stuff and went to a, what they call toy shows. And there was a guy selling these setups, these, these kits, toter homes. And so I bought one, made it, had it on the shelf, and one day I said, I'm going to take some pictures and put it on Facebook. And my Facebook blew up. It was like everybody's going, that is cool, man. That is cool. Yeah. And so then I sat down and set up a price, and I thought I'd try and go a little higher and scare them away. That didn't scare them away. Money doesn't scare away people. Yeah, yeah, no, for so sure. If, if it's something that's good. So I've been doing that ever since. So flip your flip your phone around there, Brad, and show us that like he has this really cool. Um, you need to tilt tilt it down just a little bit. There it is. So it's got this trailer, it's got the elevator on the back, even, and then mm -hmm. that goes up and down. That's so cool. And then show us the 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 tractor. Yeah, like look at that. That is like a toter home, right? He, he even said that the the slide outs and all that other stuff on the on the motorhome part that those those are functional. He's having trouble with them right now, but those are functional as well. So those are cool, and you could put your own little wrap and everything on it. So so how long have you been doing that stuff, Brad? That's been about three years now. Okay, and do you 
do, is there a car in there? Like, do you do you build the car and stuff that goes in there as well? No, no. The 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 cars are made from ADC. They're it's American diecast company that late model guys, modified guys. Yeah, yeah, I've seen those. You know, they they make them and then they you buy them from dealers or you know whatever. So I have nothing to do with it. Actually, I do because. I am going to become a dealer for those too now. Nice. And those are a little bigger oh. though, right? Those are in their like metal. Well, this die or this motor home here is what they call 164 scale. Yep. Yep. And the cars that I'm going to be selling are 124 scale and 164 scale. Okay. So you could get one that theoretically would go inside that toter home, just like a regular car. These toner homes, no. The no, guy okay. made them. The guy made them too small. But I'm working with the guy, 3D printing them to make them bigger. And I mean, there's a guy that I'm working with for triple axle trailers, and it's just so it's cool. gonna it, it's gonna explode. So, so what is what is if if you're comfortable talking about? I should have asked you ahead of time. So if you're comfortable talking about it. That that toter home that you just showed us, if if a guy wanted that with his his number and his sponsors and graphics and stuff on that, what what is something like? What do you sell something like that for? With the extra graphics, if if it was just like this, just you know, let's say Plain Shane Sabrasky color, but no graphics, three hundred and fifty. Okay. If I got if I got to add graphics, it's going to be four hundred. Okay. That's not horrible, really. I mean, to have a cool gift or like, I would think so, that would be a pretty cool uh, uh, sponsor gift. You know what I mean? If you want, I don't know if I can plug it, but sure you can. Go on, go on Facebook, and I have a page. It's called Toter Homes by Brad. Okay. And uh, you can go on there and get a hold of me. So nice. So for, but, for uh, 350 bucks, you can make that uh, essentially it can be black or gray or white or whatever yeah, the kind yeah. of base color is. And then, and then any, can, any, any semi you want. Yeah. Oh, so even so, different brands of semi. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. There, there's people you got to like, check this out. So it's Toter Homes by Brad on Facebook. On Facebook. Okay. I like that. I like that. Okay, so, so let's talk about being a fan of racing. So I'm curious to kind of pick your brain a little bit about what does um so as a as a fan, like put your put not a racing dad, well, not a pit crew, not a salesman, yeah. nothing like that. I'm going to a new racetrack, like a, a track I've never been to. What, what, as a, as a, I'm going to call you a professional fan. What things are you looking for that make that racing experience a good racing experience? Is it, I'll, I'll even give you some choices. Is it facility wise, like a, a nice set of grandstands or is it a, a good announcer? Is it the actual competition on the track or the clay? Is it bathrooms, concessions? And what, what are the things that stick out the most to you? And I'm not doing this because you're the host, but a good <laughs> announcer, a good announcer never hurts. 
for sure. Because I've I've been I've been to St. Cloud, and I know what voice I'm gonna hear. Thank you. And there's other tracks that it's like, really, you're an announcer. <laughs> so, I mean, oh, announcer goodness. has to know his drivers. I like it when a you know you'd think that the lo local people would. I don't know, but announcer, uh, facility, the atmosphere. Um, doesn't hurt to have decent food. Yeah, that's super important, I think. Uh, competition. Competition, I'm going to flip a coin because, like, Arlington is IMCA. You guys are with Soda. Mm -hmm. I'm, I got, I got buddies in both sets with Soda, IMCA for local stuff. I don't have a problem. Yeah, racing's racing when it comes down. Racing's racing. It yep. doesn't matter what sanction it is to me. I like big specials. Yeah. Yep. Um, our biggest. Okay, thing so let's that... let's talk about that for a second. Big specials. Is it? Do you go to a big special? Like this is a pet peeve of mine. We're gonna we're gonna dive into Kyle's brain for a second. Is okay. I contend that when when the big poster comes out and it says $25,000 to win why do i care like as a spectator that's going to watch that race why do i care how much the winner of that late model sprint car modified whatever it is why do i care how much they're going to win now i'll 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 answer it from a from the racetrack point of view right is if it's big money that's going to draw big drivers. Like it should draw a big crowd of drivers. It should be a higher, you know, there should be 40, 50 cars in that class if it's big money to win. Um, sometimes that's not the case though, because sometimes people go, well, if it's if it's huge money to win, that's going to draw in some, you know, ringer from, you know, if it's a late model, maybe maybe some, it's a weekend where, where, Davenport is off and, and Ricky Weiss is off and those guys will show up to just cherry pick and take the money from the local guy. And so me as a guy who's a, I run 10th or 12th. And if every domino fell perfect, I could win tonight. I'm not even going to show up. Cause if, if Ricky Weiss is there in his world of outlaw late model, I don't have a shot. And so what, what draws you to a special? I think your 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 theory about not showing up, and that was with us. In those in the old days, we. To me, you show up no matter what. You never know if you have a chance or not. Sure. Yep, that's true. You know, I, I can I mean, agree with I that. Mean, things could go the right way. You could get the right draw, and the track could be slick. You know, like I remember one year we uh, took a sprint car over to Cedar Lake and ran a 360 with the Wasota 360, and it wasn't the same. We knew he didn't have a chance, but he goes, "We're not going to know unless we show up." Yeah, yeah, yep. So I know as a fan, like our. Our big show that we go to is the USA Nationals. We camp out for the USA Nationals. Yep. 
And we know that $50,000 is, you know, you're going to draw a good a chunk name. of people. Yeah. Yep. And, so you, you know, just said something, you just said something that you camp at the USA Nationals. And so in the, in the experiences that I've had where I'm, I'm not an announcer, I'm a spectator and I've gone to races similar to that, where you're, you're at the racetrack, you, you show up at, you know, two o'clock on, on a Friday, you maybe watch some Friday night racing or, or maybe it's two o'clock on Thursday and you watch some Thursday night practice, some Friday night qualifying, some Saturday night features, and then you go home Sunday morning the, the race is completely, for me, the race is secondary to just hanging out with your buddies and and sharing some beer and, like, just laughing and joking and having some fun. Well, and, and that's just it. Like, that weekend is totally different than going to your track or Ogilvy. Right. Because you pull in there, you set up camp, we get there Thursday at about noon. You set up camp and people start walking by and, hey, man, how we're going to do it? We're going to, you know, Bobby Pierce is going to kick butt, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you start, and after several years, you get to know your neighbors. So it gets yeah, to be Yeah, like, in the hey, same spot all the time, for sure, yeah. Yeah, you, you get the same spot, so you're, you're parking like your neighbors in, at your home. So you know who everybody is and, you know, and you can kind of let loose a little more because you didn't have to drive home. Right. So normally, normally I don't drink alcohol when we go to race because I got to drive home. Right. So. But if you don't, if I all you got to do is get back to the camper, then let her rip. Let her rip. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I would agree with it. all of that, except for, uh, um, I'm going to say go turbo, not not Bobby Pierce. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you just okay. had to say, you just had to say that. Yeah, I know. I there's it, Cause you either you're a fan of one or the other. Never both. It's, it, uh, and, that, yeah. and that's, and that's, and that's the thing about being a fan. I mean, in general, I just love racing. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. But my youngest son, my youngest son kind of got, he was old enough to figure out, and we went, you know, Cedar Lake, and Bobby was the first guy he ever had his picture taken with, so he kind of, you know, got sucked in with Bobby, and he's got yeah. every die cast Bobby's got, and I mean, and I kind of just fell along, because I, I like Bobby, you know, I mean, yeah. sorry, but, you know. No, I, don't be sorry, I, that's a good thing, man. You got to have the good guys and the nice bad guy, guys both. Was a nice guy too, except for except for three years ago at Cedar Lake. See, and I'm on the other side of that coin. That was a hundred percent Pierce's fault, but it is what it is. So, oh um, yeah. Okay, so we do this thing on the show, Brad, called the uh, YourMTH.com Rapid Fire Questions. It's five questions that may or may not have to do with racing, or in your case, being a fan of racing, and so. This is where I'm worried. Um, this is no, no. This is the fun part, man. There's no wrong answers. So, um, uh, and it's brought to you by your MTH. It's which is uh, Minnesota Truck Headquarters. They got locations all over Minnesota now, and a vast and ever expanding empire of car dealerships. And so, um, that's why they have that great website, yourmth.com. Uh, you can go there. 
give them a shot. It's the way sponsorship works is you don't have to go there and give them, you know, all of your money, but give them a shot yeah. when you need a vehicle, whether it's commercial or a custom or just a, a an SUV to get back and forth to work, whatever it is, they've got it for you. So, um, uh, so this is the yourmth.com rapid fire questions. First question, and we maybe we maybe just let the cat out of the bag on the first question is what is your favorite driver? Does it can be any class, any sanctioning body can be from cup level down to down to the the Hornets or or in your case sport compacts at Arlington. What what's your favorite driver all time? Clint Handelstad, IMCA modified Arlington and Princeton. Yep, he does, like I've seen him. I've announced him him before, and so, um, and so why Clint? He's down to earth. He's you know he started. He's the one that got us because he he sold out of his go kart stuff, and I bought majority of his go kart stuff. Okay, to get to get going in go karts, and we just kind of hung out. And it's every time I go to Ireland, we go to Arlington, we go down. To his pits, have a few beers and hang out. I mean, nice. it's just love it, you know. Love it, love so, it. So I mean, okay. So question number two: favorite all-time track that you have been to? I have to go with Cedar Lake Speedway. It's a lot of people's favorite. Cedar Lake is a special, special place. What What about Cedar Lake though? Is makes it good. I have my ideas, but you you tell me. It's it's a bull ring. That's first off. It's a bull ring compared to Arlington at a half mile. Yeah. Uh, it's just it draws a lot of people. They they know how to have a they know how to have specials. They it's just I don't know. It's just it's just fun. It's the vibe when you're there. Right and and camping there for place four, to be. and camping there for four days doesn't hurt either, you know. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, uh, off the beaten path here a little bit. What is uh, what is Brad's favorite flavor of ice cream? Chocolate, just or straight vanilla, up chocolate. vanilla with chocolate stirred in. Okay, so not necessarily chocolate. I. Would well, tend, I would tend to agree with you that when I was a kid, do you remember Hershey's Quick? Do you remember that? Like, oh, yeah. And it was the powder, not the syrup. It was like a square it can. You pried it off. Square can, a little circle in yeah, the middle. Exactly. That was my all-time favorite is, is you take a couple scoops of, of vanilla ice cream, put that powder, and then stir it up until it's almost like soft serve. Whoa. I've never had the powder. I did the syrup. I do yeah. the syrup. But... The powder is where it's at. So now what you can do is like, because I don't think there's powdered a Nesquik anymore. Um, no, no. Uh, but you can do like uh, like hot cocoa. Same same thing. Okay. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um. Okay, number four. And this is a, this is a, we're getting deep down inside Brad now. Is okay. What is what is the most embarrassing thing that you've had happen to you that you can look back on now and think, ah, that was pretty funny. Like you can laugh at it now that it's not happening in the moment. 
when we go-karted, we got good, and somebody gave us sponsorship money to go raise WKAIKF stuff on a like a five-state area thing. Okay. Um, and you have to go up the starting grid with no gas in the tank. Um, I forgot to fill it up. Then they have a tank there, and I forgot to fill it up. So we're going to start the motor up, and there was no gas in the tank. No gas at all. And here, and here we got all these big-time guys thinking, why are these guys here? They don't even know how to put gas in their tank. <laughs> that would be an embarrassing in-the-moment kind of a thing that you can look back on later and go, ah, that was pretty funny. Well, yeah, yeah we, we laugh about it now. But... So did they give you time? Like, did you? Or oh, did yeah, you, we, yeah. Me, me and another guy looked at the cart up, moved it back to where the gas tank was and filled it up. I mean, yeah. it was a, it was a rigmarole, but we got it done. Just an oversight though. Not a big deal. So, okay. So this last no. one is, is a, the last question is always a little deeper and this one isn't like a philosophical or anything like that. I just truly want your opinion as a fan that goes to several racetracks a year, different, different places is from a fan perspective, what can racetracks do whatever, whatever it is to make the racing experience better from a fan perspective? Is it, is it shorter shows, less classes, more laps, um, better announcers? Uh, what is it? I'm going to say the less classes, the better. Okay. Less classes, the better. Knowledgeable announcer. But I've been to some races where there's six, seven classes, and you think it's going to be done quick because the heat races got done quickly still got features and the features always draw out and it's just like oh i've i i've we're announcers are notoriously superstitious people like it you know you don't talk about the guy that you know hasn't it's the second to the last race of the season and he hasn't won yet and he's leading and there's five laps to go and you don't go this he's gonna get his first win you you never say stuff like that as the announcer, or you try not. I do from time to time because I forget well, my own rule. Like like when I watch the national stuff, they say about the announcer's curse. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and so um, you don't talk. You don't say the R word on race day. You know, like like even in just casual conversation, you never say that word. Um, uh, there's things like that. Yep. Um, and it's. It's um, what you're talking about is one of those things. You just don't, you just, you just don't talk about stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's just, yeah. And so it's, it's, um, I, I would agree with you. The, the times where, you know, you, you look down at your watch and, or your phone or whatever, and you go, okay, it's, you know, the race has started at 6.45 and it's 7.30 or 7.45 or maybe if it's 8 o'clock and the heat races are done, man, we're this is going to be a good night. Yep. 
And then before you know it, it's midnight and the modifieds haven't rolled out on the damn track yet. Somehow, some way, it's just it just works out that way. But um uh so one you, of those things that... you never at intermission go, man, this is going quick. You, it's one of those things you just don't ever say. So I uh, learned my lesson on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I... So is it, um, it, so in your opinion, is it, what is, is it four classes, five classes kind of thing with a little extra laps or is it. I'm going to say five classes. I, I know, I know somebody's going to watch this from Arlington and go well we have seven and you show up yeah because it's because it's local yeah it's a difference it's a huge difference um if you're if you if you've got 10 miles to drive home versus if you've got an hour and a half to drive home yep and so it's I I agree with you like that five classes a night then the the trouble as a racetrack, as a promoter at a racetrack uh, and ownership, that sort of stuff, they have to sit down and develop schedules and kick kick classes out, right? And and that's tough to do because these you know you you think about it from a driver's perspective that has the money in the race cars, they've they've invested time into supporting your track, and now you're telling me I can't come to my local track and race, and that's where I think a lot of a lot of tracks you see on this night we're going to run this classes and on this night we're going to run these and and you know kind of flip flop back and forth those kinds of things so well that's just it and i want to say we probably should have said it earlier but there's always the big argument about fans and screaming though sure yep Yep, we've we, we I've had a show about that on here with the with the guy who basically invented. Yep, I, I, yeah, I I listened to it. Yeah, and and he and he admits you know there's probably something to it. The the only streaming I watch is for Outlaws or Lucas. Okay. Anything and I don't I don't subscribe for the ones at your track or whatever. If I can't make it to your track or somebody else's track i miss out yeah you know see and i'm a huge fan of even even when i'm announcing at my track at granite city motor park there's a high likelihood that somewhere in i have there's three different computers in front of me and monitors and i have uh live timing in front of me and all this other stuff there's a good chance that my phone is sitting off to the side with with a racetrack some some other Sunday racetrack and I'm watching streaming racing. I'm a huge fan of of going to a racetrack. You know, I I I just announce on Sunday nights and so on Saturday nights more more often than not I'm at a racetrack somewhere. Um I will be at this racetrack and watch a race somewhere else. You know, like kind of flipping up from what's really happening to looking down and seeing what's happening somewhere else. And um, well, that's a, my old. That's my oldest. That's my oldest son and a couple of his friends. I go, you're at a racetrack, so I want to watch this one too. Yeah, like, yeah. You got to know what's going on, right? <laughs> exactly. So you don't want to miss nothing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the that's the no, world we live that. in. So, but okay. So I I would agree with you on on most of those things where to to make the racing experience better, a, a quicker. Uh-oh. You know, that's that's the result of 
of less classes is a quicker show. You know, I, I contend football games are three. Oh, we switched. There we go. Um, football games are three hours long, baseball games, soccer games. Um, all of these different things are all three hours long for a reason, because that's about people's, uh, attention span even a cup race you know they've only got one or two races that that kind of spill into that five hour range um and so i'm i'm a big believer of three and a half or four hours get in get the races done get the heck out and especially when you go to a race in april or september october yeah it's cold because you don't know the weather and it's like i'm not gonna sit here and freeze my butt off yep yep so, so okay, so that's the yourmth.com rapid fire questions. And that leaves just one segment here, Brad, and that is the uh rascal aluminum pay it forward question. Um, and that is where my last guest asks you a question, and then you ask my next guest a question. Um and so um, and it's brought to you all by Rascal Aluminum, which is um, they're, they're, uh, uh, kind of been around for about a year and a half, maybe two years right now. Um, another company that is vast and ever expanding. They're opening up their third location. Um, it, literally every color of aluminum, every color. Now they've got the rivets, all the fasteners, all that kind of stuff that, that hold all of that aluminum together. And so look them up and on Facebook. This is, Go ahead. And this is, and this is a scary thing. We we raced with Adam Preve. Oh yeah, yeah. Adam is he married into the company is what he did. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so there it's it's Adam uh, Preve, his wife Abby uh, used to be Garen, is now Preve, and then and Rob, who is Abby's dad, um, are Rascal Aluminum, and so they they uh, they're they're just doing a fantastic job uh, of promoting their aluminum getting it out, getting it on race cars. And uh, and so give them a shot at earning your business as well. Uh, look them up on Facebook, Rascal Aluminum. So um, so your question comes from a guy that you maybe know. You, I would He probably has made it down to your track a time or two by the name of Jonathan Olmscheid. Do you know Jonathan? He is the U.S. ethanol car. It's a modified and the number is U.S., I've heard of him, but I haven't seen the car. Okay, okay. So anyways, he's a, a modified driver. Um, and his question for you as a fan, I kind of described as best I knew of what you were. Um, uh, and he wants to know, what is your unicorn of racing events? Meaning, I'll explain, is pick a crown jewel event, whether it's, you know, like you said, the USA Nationals, um, uh, one of the big, you know, the Cedar Lake has a, a whole bunch of big, uh, big events. Um, if it's the Piston Cup, the Topless Nationals, the Wasota 100, the Boone Super Nationals, uh, Eldora, Knoxville, wherever it is, pick an event. Do you want to be a spectator there watching it? Do you want to be in the seat or do you want to be there as a dad watching your kids run that race? Um, it's a great um, question, isn't it? He come off of that right off the top of his head. Wow. Yeah. So he wants to know what the crown jewel is and how yeah, what I, is the I race? Would... Yeah. And how do you want to experience it? 
I'm going to say the money, if money was endless, we're going to go with Cedar Lake and the USA Nationals. And if my kid listens, this is probably going to kill me, but I'm going to go and say, I want to be the dad watching him race. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Every dad should answer that exactly the same way. Yep. Because we should have, we should still be racing, but money was an issue when we got out of karting and a bunch of us, our guys that kart are still racing modifieds and stuff. And it's like, it hurts me every time. It's like, we could be racing, but. Yeah, no, it's a huge thing. It's, it's the reason we we've talked about this on the show too. It's the reason there's 35 sport compacts or Hornets at a racetrack and, and there's not 35 or 40 uh, late models at a racetrack because as, as it, as you bump up, it's a little more expensive. Each, each step is a little harder, a little more, you know, a little more input. And, uh, and so that's, that's nothing to be, I mean, I get from a dad's point of view that man, it'd be nice to be out there and and having that kid run a, a, a late model or modified or whatever it is kind of thing. But it's, you, you count the blessings where the experience was not what you, what you haven't done, you know? Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, okay. So your question you get to ask, um, I'm about, I haven't locked it down and stamped it in, in granite yet, but I'm pretty sure, uh, that my next guest is going to be retired, modified superstar, Scott Dan season. Do you know? Do you do you know the name Scott Dan Season? He might have. I was hoping. I was hoping you're going to have somebody I knew. <laughs> no. So so Scott, be sure no, to I tune didn't. in to the show right after yours because um, top five favorite driver of all time is Scott Dan Season of mine. Um, he's just he was always just okay. a super okay. class act, and he's retired now. And so we're going to get him back on and and kind of learn what is what does a retired modified driver do on you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights, all summer long when there's no racetrack to go to. So, um, so what would your, what would your question for how retired long, modified? How long has he been retired? Um, I, I don't know for sure, but I would say about five years, May, maybe a little less than five years. If he had the chance, if somebody open their wallet, would he go out of retirement and go back into racing? Come back in? That is, that's a pretty good question. That's a, uh, that's, uh, that's saying to the alcoholic, hey, if I bought the beer, would you drink it? That's what that is. I know, I know, Um, but I just, I sitting here trying to think of a decent question. That's why I was like, I wish I knew the person ahead of time. I could sit here and think about it. Yeah. No, that's a good question. Would you come out of retirement in the right situation? If someone showed up and said, here's brand yeah, new equipment, you all you got to do is show up at the racetrack and drive. You don't have to, you don't have to do any of the work, none of the setup, just get in and go. Would you do it? Yep. Yeah. Perfect. So, well, Brad, uh, we're going to circle back around to where we started. Um, I, I said that this show is about the personalities of, around dirt track racing, the drivers, 
the flag man, the announcers, the promoters, the owners, um, the builders, the graphics guys. I've had them all on here. I had never in 117 episodes had a guy that is just the guy sitting in the grandstands watching the races. And now I have. And so thank you for reaching out to me and uh, and getting me to get you on the show. No problem. And if you ever need another guest, I'm always here. Absolutely. I appreciate it, man. Uh, everyone, that is, uh, that's Brad Do now on After the Checkers Show. <laughs>